episode of A Sucker for Soccer. I'm Ryan Chidio. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, apologies for not recording an episode last week. I had to call a Long Island Ducks game, which was a lot of fun. But we are back this week to recap the past, we'll say, fortnight, just to use a more British term, uh, because we will be talking about the Premier League, of course, Champions League and FA Cup, all involving English teams. Uh, again, we won't go over every single Premier League game, of course. That would take uh, a, a while for this episode, but uh, just some of the main games that really caught my attention in the past couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, the se- it's crazy. The season is just winding down. We only have a few weeks left, folks, as uh, you're a couple days away from May starting. And it's a couple more days till I graduate, too. So that's a definitely scary proposition on a, a, a personal note. But even in the Premier League, I mean, we still got to have fascinating title race, top four race, and a relegation battle. It, you, again, I think I mentioned this in the last episode. It seems like for the past few years, I don't remember the last time where you know a title race, a top four race, and a relegation battle went down to the wire like this. I guess you could say the you know 18-19. I'm not sure what the relegation battle was like then. I thought it was pretty cut clear, but, uh, you know, it's just really interesting stuff, and this is why we love the Premier League, why it's the best in the world. So just going through uh, some of the games, uh, I would, if you recall back a couple weeks ago, I know it's been a while, but uh, the first game from a, a couple weeks ago was Brighton against Tottenham. Now, again, this is a chance for Tottenham, you know, coming into this game. They're on a, a great run of form. It seems like, you know, they finally found some consistency in their season for once in their lives. They're on a, a three-game winning streak. So things were looking up for Spurs. And uh, and then they lost. Uh, they lost to Brighton 1-0. So, yeah, that, that was the thing that happened. Um, again, it, it was they left it late, of course, for Brighton, but it was Leandro Trossard in the 90th minute who stole all three points at the death at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Really upsetting Spurs' chances, a significant dent in their top four hopes. But then you go, you know, to the Arsenal against Southampton, and then you think, well, this is Arsenal's chance to now kind of leapfrog Spurs and, you know, take over their North London club. Or at least put some more distance in between them. And they couldn't even do that. Because then you have Southampton that wins 1-0. Now this is a late goal, but it was a late first half goal. Uh, courtesy of Jan Bednarek. But again, Arsenal and Spurs, two of the most inconsistent teams in the Premier League. Alongside me and United. That's been the really the, the key thing for the teams in the top four race. It's just no consistency whatsoever. And you can throw West Ham in there as well. But United, Spurs, Arsenal, and West Ham, just not consistent enough. And that's, again, that's what separates them from, you know, the cities, Liverpool's. And you could arguably say Chelsea, though. They've hit a bit of a rut at times this season. But because they had such a strong start to their season, again, that's why they're pretty much in a safe place right now, again, in that no-man's land. But uh, not completely 1,000% safe. But... Yeah, again, it's just a missed opportunity after missed opportunity. It seems like every week uh, one of these teams just takes their turn and is like, you know what, we're going to pass up a, a, a chance on the top four. Someone else can take it. We don't want it. Well, why don't you want it? Come on now. So 
in this case, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was both uh, North London clubs in uh, Spurs and Arsenal that just decided, you know what, we'll let Southampton, a team, by the way, that before this had lost 6-0 to Chelsea, come back home to St. Mary's, shut out Arsenal, and uh, come away with all three points. And they were heavily outshot. I mean, they had 75% possession. You can barely say it. At 23 shots, you know, six on target, and... It's just frustrating, really, for, for Arsenal fans uh, because, again, they, they had such a great run of form, you know, from really from December on. But then you just hit a rut like this and it just kind of takes the wind out of you. So, yeah, uh, not good performances whatsoever from Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, maybe on another day they'd win those games or at least get a point, but at the end of the day, it's not good enough. And uh, they each fall 1-0. So, of course, someone's got to take advantage of that. And, well, one team, I should say one player did, but one team really did, a Manchester United, uh, beating Norwich City 3-2, though. If it weren't for one player in particular, they would have had the same fate as Spurs and Arsenal. And that is because Cristiano Ronaldo, once again, comes to the rescue, as he has done time and time again this season, mainly in the Champions League. But, you know, as of late, getting that hat-trick against Tottenham, and then for the second straight home game, he scores another Hattie. So, 37 years old, hasn't lost his touch whatsoever. He is aging like a fine wine, just like uh, many, like uh, in Ibrahimovic or, uh, or in even Andrea Pirlo. I mean, Pirlo really embodies the aging like a fine wine anyways. But uh, Ronaldo takes that to another level. 50th club hat trick. And again, that's not even counting for his country. So, and he scored quite a lot more there. So, I think he scored about 60 overall, if I'm correct. But, yeah, just, again, I mean, the numbers, I mean, tell it all, really, for uh, for this man. But, yeah, uh, you know, seventh minute comes around. He gets a tap in, you know, maybe not that impressive from uh, from Anthony Alanga. You know, converts it. A pretty standard goal. But then he makes it 2-0. You know, he heads in an Alex Tellez corner. So, you know, both of those are kind of typical Ronaldo goals, you know, Great positioning, you know, great jumping ability, all, all that type of stuff. Even when he gets, you know, up there in age, he still possesses those those strong assets to his game. And again, he's playing like he's you know 27 years old, really. But then, for some reason, the United defense, as per usual, just collapses. Uh, they and the main reason was because they allowed a first half stoppage time goal, and you can't do that. It was uh, it was Karen Dowd of all people to. Uh, to convert it, because now the momentum shifts back in favor of Norwich, and again, taking full advantage of that, about seven minutes into the second half, Timu Puki, of course, set up the first goal, Kieran Dowell then sets him up, so it's kind of a to-me-to-you uh, little bit there between the two, but then he draws Norwich level, and again, it's just more poor defending from Norwich, uh, I know there's a point in the game where I think Maguire kicked his own player, I think he, I think it was Pogba, actually, I think he, he accidentally kicked him in the head, and you know, Pogba wasn't happy about that, and and that little moment is just kind of a microcosm of uh, this. It's been a really poor season for Manchester United, but one man that has stayed pretty consistent, at, besides David De Gea, has been Cristiano Ronaldo, and he comes to the rescue once again. Seventy-sixth minute comes around, free kick comes up, and Cristiano Ronaldo finally converts it. 
and completes the hat trick. Now, this is a guy who hasn't scored a free kick in about three years. Uh, I think his last one might have actually been the, his, his free kick in the World Cup against, uh, against Spain. But may, I, I, I think he's scored maybe one since then at this time at Juventus. But, uh, hey, he finally did it. Now he just needs, I don't know, about 20 more to catch up to Messi, you know, and something like that. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I, I, I shouldn't get it. He was a great free kick taker back in the day, and not, obviously not so much right now. But, again, he really rolled back the clock in this game when United needed it most against a team they shouldn't have to rely on Cristiano Ronaldo you know, to go to revert back to his prime to to win this game, you should win this game without Ronaldo. Uh, again, it does not mean it does not make any sense, and it really goes to show how dysfunctional this uh, Manchester United side uh, have been this season. That again, outside of De Gea and and Ronaldo, and arguably Fred, uh, once you know Rangnick took took charge, uh, no one else has been really living up to expectations. Uh, and, and in some cases, especially Harry Maguire's has been really, really poor. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was United relying on Ronaldo to win 3-2 to two there. Uh, you go to the following day, you Brentford being Watford 2-1. doesn't really matter. You know, Watford's going to go down anyways. Uh, then you go to, to Sunday's games after that. Uh, Newcastle being Leicester 2-1. to one, And Bruno Guimaraes, how about this? Stores both goals, including a 95th-minute winner. For the Magpies, they are up to ninth place right now. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I could not believe that. I mean, just just a few months ago, this team was languishing in the bottom three. They, I mean, they were bottom of the table for a couple of weeks. But since again, since the then since uh, since the takeover, since Eddie Howe took charge, make all these signings, and they have won how many games? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Nine, nine games during this time out of, I think, what, 13, 14? And they have surged up into the top half of the table. I don't think anyone had Newcastle United in the top half of the table, not only just entering the season, but then, of course, even halfway through. It's like, I mean, they're going down. Or, you know, they get takeover, you know, they're going to survive, fine. Not in the top half. Crazy stuff. Now, they're still, you know, I think Leicester City does have two games in hand on them. So, you know, but they'll still be top half. Now, we'll see towards the end of the season for Newcastle. But again, this shows how incredible the transformation it is solely because of all the signings they made. And again, Bruno Grimarsh is one of the star ones. And he really showed his power uh, against Leicester City with a, with a fabulous brace. And then the, the other game after that was uh, West Ham against Burnley. Uh, we always seem to struggle uh, against Burnley. It's a one-all draw. You know, Vak Veghurst heads it in for the first goal. Um, unfortunate injury. Uh, a really scary one for uh, Ashley Westwood. It looked like he uh, he broke his leg. So best wishes out to him and hopefully a, a speedy recovery. That happened about the half-hour mark. And two minutes after that what came the Vak Veghurst goal. Uh, second half comes around. You know, we're a bit more... Energized, needing to fight back, and we do get it eventually. Thomas Sochek uh, heading in. Or I think he's actually chested in a uh, a free kick. So rescuing a point there, just kind of a dull game besides that. But again, a typical one. By the way, for Burnley, I forgot to mention this in the last episode. Or at least I think I didn't. We talked about uh, Sean Dykes being sacked, which again didn't make much sense, although right now it's actually working out. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but... 
taking over him uh, for the meantime is actually one of his players, Ben Mee. That's right, Ben Mee was in the dugout for that game. So uh, that's pretty crazy. Having a play, I don't think we've seen a player manager since uh, Edgar Davids. Uh, so, th so that was really cool. Uh, but now, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I th I think Burnley are still appointing him. I think they're still gonna hang on him for the rest of the. Uh... Oh, he's in. I should say he's an assistant manager, but still, the fact that he was in the dugout as kind of this player assistant manager is pretty cool. It's Mike Jackson that who is the uh, current caretaker. Of course, he was the under 23s coach. Uh, at Burnley before that. But, I mean, that's still kind of a bizarre sight to see because I think Ben Mee is currently injured, if I'm if I'm correct. So, yeah, that that's very, very interesting indeed. Uh, staying in the Premier League, again, then you go to Tuesday and uh, uh, with the one marquee game, the great Northwest uh, derby between Liverpool and Manchester United, uh, ended 4-0 in favor of Liverpool. Before we get to the game, though, uh, some really... Shocking and, and really sad news uh, before the game. Uh, I think it was the day before or two days before, but uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, coming off the the, the high of a, of a hat trick against Norwich, you know, single-handedly winning uh, Manchester United the game, uh, shared the news uh, on social media that uh, one of his baby sons had passed away during childbirth. I, I believe one of his celebrations, uh, you know, he put the ball under his shirt to, to you know, announce, like, you know, my, my wife or his girlfriend, I should say, uh, Georgina Rodriguez, is, is giving birth. Uh, and it's really sad to hear that uh, one of it, – it, it was a twin birth, actually, and the, and the son during that birth uh, passed away. So, again, my condolences to uh, to Cristiano Ronaldo and his family. Uh, I, I can't imagine what, what they were going through uh, during that time. But of course, because of this, he he had to he had to miss the game. Uh, there there's no way around it. And credit to to Liverpool fans at Anfield. It was during the seventh minute. Of course, Ronaldo's number is number seven. Uh, they had a, a moment of applause uh, or minutes applause uh, just to just to honor and, and support Ronaldo during what is a very tough time for him. So. Um, Again, we, we, you have to remember these these guys are human, and, and no matter how much I I criticize, we criticize players. Again, I I again I'm not a Ronaldo big fan of his, but again I I know that uh, this is a really tough time he's going through, and, and I have a lot of sympathy with him, you know during during this. Uh, so again, uh, nothing but the best for for his family at the moment, and again a very touching tribute uh, from from the Liverpool fans during that game, and. You know, going to the game itself, tough to transition away from that. But again, United just got, as predicted, they got smoked. And you know, even even if Ronaldo was in the lineup, um, it it wouldn't have made a difference because you know, last game he was in the lineup. They lost five nil. It was slightly better this time around, being four nil. But again, it it doesn't matter. I mean, it just really illustrates how far apart these two teams are. And you go back a decade ago, and the exact opposite. Exact opposite situation. Manchester United, you know, it was during the later years of, of Sir Alex Ferguson. And, you know, United were competing for titles and whatnot. And, and Liverpool were just in a rut. Of course, they still never won a Premier League title. Never even came close to one, of course, uh, in the in the recent years, you know, a decade ago. And, you know, had some, some weird players. I think they had Ricky Lambert, you know, and just some just a very weak squad. And it's funny how, how soccer changes like that. Ten years later... 
Exact opposite. Liverpool hunting for titles, winning Champions League, Premier Leagues. Meanwhile, Manchester United haven't won the Premier League since 2012-13. Haven't won the Champions League since 2008. Yeah, they've won some minor trophies here and there. But it's it's not been good. It's 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 been a dark time post-Fergie, and it just continues to show. And again, it's one of the lower points for, for Manchester United. And again, even with the, the new manager coming in, it was Ole in the last game. Last meeting, Rania comes here, nothing changes. Stole a blowout. Luis Diaz got the th dice rolling five minutes in. And then Salah nets a brace, Mane scoring as well. I mean, there's no real uh, no real necessity to go go into you know how the goals are scored or whatnot. It, it was just an awful performance. Again for Man United. It's it's just not good enough. I know it's tough to you know replace Ronaldo, and they're playing. I think they're playing Fernandez like a false nine or something like that. It's just no, did not work. I guess the only positive is that Hannibal Medjugorje came on. You know, this young Tunisian midfielder they got, and he at least showed some passion. Uh, United were not playing with really any. It seemed like they just gave up. Um, yeah, for the uh, but Hannibal kind of injected some chaos. The twenty-one year old, I think he clattered into. Uh, uh, one of the Liverpool players, I believe it was Keita or Henderson. Uh, but just, you know, just to spice the match up a little bit. But yeah, uh, again, just a gutless performance for Manchester United. And I really don't think, even with Ronaldo in there, it wouldn't have, I don't think it would have been a different result. Still would have been all Liverpool. And that's a big one for Liverpool, of course. You know, keeping up with Manchester City and whatnot. Because City keep on winning. They beat Brighton on that Wednesday, 3-0, uh, you know, Mars phone Silva scoring, and uh, that's that's how you beat uh, a Brighton side. Uh, Spurs and Arsenal should take notes. Pretty easy. So then you move over to uh, some other games. Newcastle, of course, being Crystal Palace. Talks about how they're on a roll right now. Everton rescuing a point against Leicester City. That ended 1-1. Uh, so they leave it very late indeed. Harvey Barnes scoring five minutes in, but it's Richarlison getting on the score sheet, rescuing the points in the 92nd minutes. It was actually a, off a Salman Rondon shot off the bench, uh, but Richarlison, right place, right time to scuff home the rebound, and it's a valuable point for Everton in this relegation battle, as we've talked about many times. Every point matters when you are down in the dump, so a uh, big, big point for Everton. That certainly Cannot be uh, stated even more, or any more, I should say. But the marquee matchup of Wednesday, or a couple Wednesdays ago, was Arsenal beating Chelsea handily 4-2. to two. Uh, And again, Chelsea just all out of sorts defensively over the past month. He, of course, you know, shipping four goals to Brentford is pretty bad. Uh, and shipping four to Arsenal as well, maybe not as bad, but still, you don't want to do that in a London derby. Of course, you know, you concede seven overall against uh, against Real Madrid, so of course that's never never great. Uh, but I think they five overall actually. Still, uh, very bad defensively. I don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe they're just running out of magic in that point, or uh, you know, other teams are starting to figure them out. And Arsenal certainly did. But one man really took the. the the show, and that was Eddie and Ketia. Now, we're used to seeing him score in the EFL Cup. That's all he shows up for, and that's really all he plays in. But Mikel uh, Arteta, for some reason, decided to start him, you know, for a midweek matchup and decided to rest uh, you know, Alexander Lacazette and Gabriel Martinelli. 
So he stole the show, gets two goals, um, including technically the game winner to make it 3-2. to two, But it was a crazy first half, by the way. Four goals, two each in the opening 45. Started with Enketia. Timo Werner answered a few minutes later. Then 10 minutes after that, Smith Rowe gives Arsenal back the lead. But then Cesar Aspilicueta made it 2-2. Enketia, though, with the winning goal. And then Bukayo Saka, a bit of a dubious penalty in the 92nd minute. But uh, he finished the job for Arsenal. It's a massive win to take them into the top four. Chelsea, meanwhile, still not going anywhere. Not in the title race. Not going to drop out of top four. And all, all they have left to do now is is the FA Cup final. We'll get to their semifinal against uh, Crystal Palace in a bit. Uh, then you had uh, Burnley being Southampton 2-0 again on a roll. But then going to this past weekend's uh, matchup starting with Arsenal. We'll talk about them again as they beat uh, Manchester United 3-1. to So Cristiano Ronaldo makes his return, but couldn't do enough. Uh, he did get the long goal for United in this one in the 34th minute. By the way, his 100th Premier League goal, of course, uh, dedicating uh, that goal to his late son. But, uh, And that was at a point where United could have turned the game around because before then it was pretty bad. You know, They were down 2-0. Nuno Tavares scoring just three minutes in, his first ever goal. For Arsenal, by the way. And then they win a penalty. 32nd minute comes around. Alex Tellez uh, fouling Saka in the box. So Saka takes his own spot kick and converts it. So then Ronaldo got one back two minutes later. And then, you know, second half comes around. United win a, a penalty of their own. There's a handball in the box by Tavares. So he goes from hero to zero. And then... Uh, I don't know why Ronaldo didn't take this penalty. Uh, again, hindsight is twenty twenty, but you know, besides his miss against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup, he's been automatic. So I'm not sure what the players or what Rangnick was thinking. But it was Bruno Fernandez who took it instead. And uh, if you recall, uh, you know, missing a key penalty against Aston Villa, uh, he did it again. But instead of blazing it over the bar, he struck the outside of the post. So, again, it's not like Aaron Ramsdale had to make a save. Still celebrated, of course, because that's what keepers do anyways, even though they didn't make the save, whatever. So, it, instead of it being a 2-2 game, Arsenal then get the decisive goal to finish it off, make it 3-1, 20 minutes from time, and Granite Xhaka, who cashes in his annual long-range golazo scoring for 25 yards. That was an absolute rocket, but that kills off Manchester United and essentially kills off their, their top four hopes, I think. Um, you know, losing such a key top four battle like this is really going to take a lot out of the players. Um, you look at the situation right now in the top four, uh, United are in sixth right now, so there's a chance they could be playing in the Conference League, but I think I don't think West Ham's going to pass them. Hoping, though, because they have a better goal difference right now. Uh, yeah, 55 points right now. Uh, three behind Spurs. Five behind Arsenal fourth, and the problem is Arsenal and Spurs each with two games in hand. Now, of course, knowing both those teams, they're... I can guarantee at least one of those games are going to drop points. It's just natural in the DNA of both... Uh, both those teams, but I don't know. I, I think United, I don't know if they have enough to do. Now, they have three games left, and here's an interesting stat I found. The, if they drop points one more time, meaning if they do not win out this season, they will actually have their lowest total amount of points, or at least joint lowest 
total amount of points in Premier League history. 64 points is the max they can get. I believe they finished on 64 during the, the David Moy season in 2013-14. Uh, but yeah, that's their lowest ever. Not in the entire history, mind you, but of course in the Premier League era when you know you had the set uh, 20 teams. But yeah. That was the lowest ever, and so if they drop points once more this season... Now, again, they just went through a rough stretch. We'll get to the Chelsea game in a bit, but they were in a really rough stretch. They closed the season against Brentford, Brighton, and Crystal Palace. Now, honestly, any of those three games, United could drop points because Brentford are, can play up against the big boys. Same with Palace, same with Brighton. They all are you know, these mid-table teams that share the same kind of... Uh, and not, not necessarily DNA, same mentality of playing up to their competition. So I I, I don't think they're going to surpass 64. And with that, I, I don't think they're going to get into the top four. Barring a collapse, uh, an even bigger collapse from Arsenal and Spurs, mainly for Arsenal, though, um, I don't see United finishing top four. So Thursday nights it is for the Red Devils and Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, if Ronaldo stays, because, of course, Eric Ten Hag talked about it in the last episode, but he has now confirmed to be going into or to be taking over this team, um, so that means they they could have a fire sale. Um, I've heard as many as ten players could be leaving in the summer. Um, I don't think I, I don't know. I don't buy that. I because like I don't think I've ever seen that amount of turnover in a single team in in one transfer window. And I think Ten Hag might be conservative to start things off when he comes in, but. You know, there's a lot of dead wood to get rid of. I mean, outside of De Gea, Ronaldo, Bruno, again, if Ronaldo wants to say, uh, Bruno, uh, maybe Fred, and Alanga. I'd keep Rashford for another year. I think he'll bounce back. This has been a really off year for him. Uh, you can honestly get rid of everyone else. Um, I can't think of anyone else that really deserves to say. I mean, most of the defense, if not all of them, can go. Um Midfield-wise, again, maybe Fred because he's, he's looked a lot better under Rangnick. But, again, is that going to translate over to Ten Hag? Again, he's going to now implement a, a single pivot system instead of the, the double pivot now, uh, you know, going to his 4-3-3 system most likely. So, you know, McTominay, Matzitz, those guys are kind of useless right now. Um, yeah, it's they, – they, they can get rid of a lot of players. They really can. So we'll see what happens. But right now, it's looking like Europa League. For Manchester United. So, uh, then uh, you had some other games that Saturday. Uh, nothing really of note, really. Uh, Leicester and Villa drawing 0-0. City destroying Watford 5-1. Uh, Gabriel Jesus scoring four goals in this game. So, he's certainly trying to get his uh, his transfer value up for the summer. Because it looks like he, he's going to be on the way out. Especially if Erling Holland uh, comes in. Uh, since they need to fund that, that transfer. Or maybe they don't, since they are Man City, after all. But uh, he's been linked to Arsenal, so maybe he's trying to perform to come to them. But then again, it is Arsenal, after all, so I don't know why he'd go to them. I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but uh, it really turned up against Watford. And, of course, they're going down, as are Norwich, of course, losing to Newcastle 3-0. It's not confirmed yet for both teams, but uh, it's looking like it. Again, it's crazy, you know, with Fulham just winning the uh, the championship, you know, getting promote, automatically promoted. It's it's gonna I, again. I, you can already see next season, Norwich wins uh, the 2022-23 EFL Championship while Fulham finishes you know 19th of Premier League relegated again. It's just a, 
It's just a, it's like an annual event, really, where these two teams just switch on and off between the first and second tiers of England. Beautiful sight to see. Well, for your fans of those teams, not really. And then Tottenham, of course, blow another chance to catch up with Arsenal as they draw nil-nil with Brentford. The only positive in this match was that uh, they got to catch up with their old teammate, Christian Eriksen. But besides that, uh, no shots on target tells uh, the whole story, pretty much. Not good whatsoever. And then you go to Sunday's games. An entertaining South Coast derby between Brighton and Southampton ended 2-2. Burnley again just <laughs> surging. They beat Wolves 1-0. So for the first three games since Sean Dyche left, they draw against West Ham. They beat... Who'd they beat? Uh, they beat someone else. I totally forgot. I think it was Palace. And then they beat Wolves. And that's an impressive win in itself to beat them. Uh, you have to say. It was Southampton. My bad. Uh... Yeah, beating Wolves, who are, again, a very good side, just about getting over the line. Big, big three points for them. And it's a big moment in the uh, relegation battle because then you have Everton, who later that day lost to Liverpool 2-0. Now, this was one of the most unique games I I've, I've seen. Everton pretty much played like Atletico Madrid and dialed up the... Uh, the the dark arts to probably 11. The amount of time wasting that we saw in this match was uh, was beyond belief. I think Liverpool set a Premier League record, if I'm not mistaken, for the most possession in a game. They had 82.4% possession. And a lot of that was in the Everton half. And even more, or a good portion of that, was in the final third. So, I, I mean, one shot on target for Everton, it's just, <laughs> you knew what they were they were doing. They weren't even hiding the fact that they were parking the bus. They weren't hiding the fact that they were time-wasting. At one point, I think Jordan Pickford went to the camera while he was falling on the ball. You know, what keepers do to waste time, they fall on it, you know, for, what, six seconds is the rule, even though referees don't, you know, tell them to go after right after six seconds. You know, it's more like ten seconds. But it was just so blatantly obvious to set up like this and just pray to all the gods in existence that kid could hold on for a point. And that's not the right mentality to have when you're in a relegation battle. I, I mean, I understand it is, you know, against uh, some of the, you want to be more, I guess, conservative and try to earn a point. So I, I do get it, but this was ridiculous. I mean, they, again, they turned all the dials just, almost off the, the radio set. It was just crazy. So Liverpool were frustrated throughout the first 45, rightfully so, because they just couldn't break down this Evertonian defense. Second half comes around, they finally, finally do. And out of all people, it's the left-back Andrew Robertson that uh, does break the deadlock. It started with a nice 1-2 with Salah, and then the substitute, an Evertonian killer, Divock Origi. Remember his goal in 2018-19, last minute. Again, that bizarre goal where, you know, Pickford missed it, bounced off the bar, and, you know, I don't have to describe for, for any Everton fans listening out there. I don't want to inflict any more pain than your team already is doing to you. But uh, Robertson makes 1-0, and then, of course, Origi, as you'd expect, scores the second five minutes from time. It just had to happen, you know, heads in a uh, great Luis Diaz delivery. So, yeah, uh, Liverpool, big win for them as per usual to keep up with Manchester City. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just just crazy, crazy how Everton 
just was playing anti-football. I mean, they, they really were. It was so, it's so blatantly horrific. And it didn't work out. At the end of the day, it didn't work out. And now you're in a position where you really could get relegated. There's a strong possibility now you are in 18th place. You are two points behind Burnley. You do have a game in hand, but Burnley used up their games in hand, I'd say, pretty well ever since Sean Dyche was sacked. And you look at the rest of their schedules, and they have pretty similar difficulties, say. You have Everton, who uh, they have Chelsea next. They have Chelsea on Sunday. Then at Leicester, at Watford, home to Brentford, home to Palace, and then they finish up against Arsenal. So a couple really tough teams there, Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, tough. Watford should be a win. Again, that's going to be a six-pointer. Brentford will be tough. Palace, tough. Uh, so, yeah, not easy whatsoever for them. And it's not really easy for Burnley as well. They have Watford, uh, again, big six-pointer this Saturday. Uh, then against Villa, they play them twice. You have Tottenham in between those matches, Newcastle to close the uh, season off. So, again, at this point, it seemed like Fuchs, oh, Everton got it. They'll be fine. But now it's more of a toss-up between these two teams. I still think deep down inside that Everton are going to be safe. I still think they're too good to go down. I know that's a bad omen saying that. But I just cannot see a club of their stature and their history go down. Now, we've seen in other leagues, again, Schalke, historically great Bundesliga team, relegated last season. Hamburg, of course, a lot in Germany. You know, Hamburg relegated a couple of seasons ago. Uh, so it is possible. But... I, I just don't see it. I really don't. And Everton, by the way, have never been relegated from the Premier League. So just keep that in mind as well. But this is by far and large the closest they've ever gotten to getting relegated. I mean, that's certainly an understatement, of course. Uh, then, let's see. Uh, in terms of the other games, a couple more. Palace and Leeds drawing nil now. Now, Leeds, by the way, I should mention, uh, again, Marshall's, Jesse Marshall's done a really solid job since taking over. Uh, you know, he's only lost... I think he lost his first his first game, first two games. But then since then he's unbeaten actually in in, in the last five. You know, three wins, two draws. So they are getting away from the relegation zone, but not out of it yet. They are five points, uh, only five points ahead of Everton. And again, if Everton win their game in hand, that becomes two, three ahead of Burnley. Then, uh, but they have some very tough matchups. Manchester City. Arsenal and Chelsea, that is a death gauntlet right there. Uh, but you never know which Arsenal side is going to turn up, in fairness. Then Brighton and Brentford are really tough as well. So there are no easy fixtures left. No, there are never any easy fixtures, for the most part, in the Premier League. But especially for uh, for Leeds in their situation. So they can be sucked right back in to this uh, to this relegation battle, which is really a two-horse race between Burnley and Everton at this point. Could become three horses sooner rather than later. And the last thing we'll touch on, Manchester United and Chelsea. That one ending in a one-all draw uh, just yesterday. Pretty dull first half, and then it kind of exploded a bit in the second half with Marcus Alonso scoring, and then a uh, great volley. And then two minutes later, Ronaldo once again comes to the rescue for Man United. It's becoming quite the common occurrence. Uh, ball over the top by Nemanja Matic, and Ronaldo took it down really well and fired it in. Great goal for him. And Ronaldo has scored eight of United's last nine goals. So he, he's been carrying them the past few games. Uh, you, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Now, has he done that consistently all season? Not really. 
But, again, when they need him most, he certainly showed up. Well, not against City or, or Liverpool or whatever. Or, but but still, um, you know, against the likes of Tottenham North and in the Champions League group stage, certainly. Uh, but, again, you, you can't rely... Again, it's a sport where you cannot rely on just one player to keep rescuing you you know, cons- consistently. He's done it for the past few games, besides Liverpool one. Uh, the games he's featured, I should say. But... You, I mean, you can't do that, especially to a 37-year-old. Even if this 37-year-old is 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 playing like he's 27, and it's you know incredible physique and all that type of stuff, almost you know near superhuman, but it's just not sustainable. Uh, so again, I've I've torn into United a lot this episode because it has been a rough couple weeks and it's been a rough season for them. And again, it's a reality check for them where they need a lot of turnover and. You know, it's going to start with uh, Eric Ten Hag, you know, maybe working his magic. Who knows? Uh, But we shall see. We shall see. Okay, let's get to uh, the two FA Cup semifinals that happened very recently. You had, we'll start with the uh, more clear-cut one. Crystal Palace against Chelsea at Wembley Stadium on Sunday. A couple Sundays ago, I should say. Uh... Great spectacle in terms of atmosphere. It was dominated by Crystal Palace fans. Um, yeah, they were just all over Wembley. Uh, they really took it over, were screaming and, and cheering throughout the full 90 minutes. And in a game where they, they lost 2-0, you know, you can take a look at the crowd and say, oh, I think Palace is winning, but no. Uh, and it makes sense. It is a, it is more of a rare occasion for them to, to be at Wembley. You know, first time since 2016 when they made the final. Couldn't get over the semifinal this time around. Although first half-wise, they were... And what's funny is that most of their chances were actually from Cheku Kiyate, of all people, the uh, defensive mid, former West Ham guy, of course. But again, they didn't take him, and Chelsea punished them in the second half as Ruben Loftus-Cheek, out of all people, gets or puts Chelsea in front. He came on, actually, for the injured uh, Kovacic in the first half, but he breaks the deadlock. And then a bit later on, Mason Mount works his way into the area and makes it 2-0. He keeps up his great run of form, of course, and sends Chelsea back to Wembley. So that's now the third straight time they've made the final, and now the fourth time in the last five years they've done so. And yet they only have one FA Cup title to uh, to show for, of course, 17-18 against United. And then, of course, they've lost the last two seasons in the final to Arsenal and then Leicester. So maybe a third time's the charm for the Blues. But they'll have to get by Liverpool once again to win some silverware this season, just like the EFL Cup final. It'll be Chelsea against Liverpool since the Mighty Reds beat Manchester City in round three of this season. Of course, the previous meetings, both two all draws. But Liverpool having the upper hand this time around, winning it 3-2. to two. Started off with a corner and... Ibrahima Kanate heading in Robertson's delivery to make it 1-0. And then one of the biggest gaffes this season, although there's been quite a lot of them from goalkeepers, seems like it's a weekly occurrence, but it happened once again. And unfortunately, hate to report, it is an American. Zach Steffen completely screws it up. He tried to do his own Ederson impersonation. You see, he's learning a lot from the Brazilian, but only Ederson can pull off a uh, goal line clearance, you know, make it himself look so panicked, and then clear it at the last second. Stefan tried to do that, was playing cute towards the goal line, and then, you know, completely screwed it up. Mane races in, pokes it home for 2-0. Please, I, I beg of you, 
Zach Steffen, that this is a lesson learned and you will not do that ever again, particularly at the World Cup in Qatar. Just don't do it ever again, especially during then, and especially don't do it against England as well. That would be really embarrassing. Now, again, we'll see if he's the starting keeper. I would imagine he is, even though you have the likes of, you know, Matt Turner still there, Ethan Horvath. Maybe Stefan Fry has been balling out of the CONCACAF Champions League, but even then, uh, not good enough, I guess, to make the team, but I think it'll still be Stefan. Now, City had a better response in the second half. Mane scored again to make it 3-0, I should say. But City had a better response in the second half, you know, uh, getting goals back by Grealish and uh, I think a 90th-minute goal from Silva. But again, they left it too little too late. Klopp takes this round, and they still have a chance at the quadruple, funny enough, which is crazy to think about, which has never happened in Liverpool. It, it's. I don't think it will, but the fact that there is still a good chance of that happening is 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 really impressive. So then, I, I should mention before we go to the two Champions League semifinal matchups, also involving Liverpool and Man City, uh, I forgot to mention one other Premier League game, Chelsea 1, West Ham 0. Uh, I mentioned this because there was a bit of controversy towards the end. It was, you know, it was a pretty dull game for the first 85 minutes. 86th minute comes around, and... Lukaku looks like he goes through on goal. Craig Dawson drags him down. Uh, Lukaku goes down inside the box. Penalty given. And a red card to Craig Dawson, who has turned into our best defender this season, somehow, someway. Now, at first I'm thinking, how is this both a penalty and a red card? Doesn't the double jeopardy rule exist? Well, apparently, the double jeopardy rule does not apply to incidents where it's, you know, last defender back, and he doesn't make a, an attempt at the ball. And in this case, Dawson, of course, does make an attempt. He goes straight for Lukaku, just pulling him down. So I, I do understand the uh, the red card you know, decision. What I don't understand, and what I was more mad about, was that it was given as a penalty when the initial contact started outside of the box, and of course Lukaku is on inside of it. So it should be a free kick and a red card, and I'd be fine with that. Because there's a great chance he blocked the free kick since it's from that close. But to give a penalty for that for an instant where contact started outside the boxes was a bit mind-boggling. I don't know why VAR checked that. Maybe they were checking for the red card instead of the penalty. You can't look at two things at once. But uh, that was still a ridiculous decision. But it didn't end up mattering because Jorginho missed his penalty. He tried to be cute, you know, tried to roll it to the right of Fabianski, but he falls right on it. That was one of the worst penalties I've seen from Jorginho. So it looked like West Ham would hold on for a hard-earned point. But, of course, instead, Christian Pulisic, Captain America, breaks my heart. 90th minute winner. It's great that he's been scoring in the Premier League. It's great to see an American score there. Can you do it against the 18 other teams? In the Premier League, pretty pleased. Why'd you have to do it against West Ham? And in such a crucial situation as well, why'd you have to do it? Come on. But, I mean, West Ham are going to get top four anyways. I think that pretty much killed their hopes. Uh, and at this point, you got to even hold on for seventh place. It was a conference league spot. I mean, even then, that's in jeopardy because Wolves are right behind them. So, it, at this point, it's Europa League or bust. And not a good start in the semifinal in the first leg. They lose 2-1 to Frankfurt. But, at the very least, there is still a second leg to be played. So, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, West Ham can turn things around. 
So now we get to the Champions League portion. Again, just two games to go through. And we'll start with... Uh, I'll start with the... I was saying, which I saw the more entertaining or the one that happened first. I'll go with the one that happened first. Because it was another Champions League classic. Manchester City 4, Real Madrid 3. Uh, there have been some great games in the Champions League this season, but I think this one might take the cake. Uh, just an absolute barnstormer of a game. Uh, and a game, honestly, where City should have won by more than one goal. I don't think it accurately reflects the, the, the game. City, at one point, should have been up maybe three or four goals in the opening half hour. Because through that first half hour, they were all over Real Madrid. Los, uh, Los Blancos were just all out of sorts defensively. And they scored after just 94 seconds. It was Mares got a ball into the box for Kevin De Bruyne. Fires it in. They take a 1-0 lead. And then... Just like that, as you know, not even nine minutes later, not even ten minutes later, Gabriel Jesus fires in Kevin De Bruyne's delivery to make it 2-0. So City rolling right along in this Champions League semifinal. Now, if you remember back uh, two years ago, they beat Real Madrid in the round of 16 of the Champions League. So this isn't the first meeting in a while. I believe, actually, uh, entering this game, it was an even spread. I think they had six meetings where it was like they had two wins each and then two draws, so very even history. But City were just in full advantage throughout the first half hour. But then, Real Madrid get one back? And guess who? Of course it's Karim Benzema. And this goal was really a tough one. I mean, it was barely half a chance from Benzema. They had a defender draped all over him. He somehow got the volley off and it kind of skidded into the right bottom corner to make it 2-1. to one. Again, at that point, City should have been up by 3 or 4 and the, and the tie would have virtually been over. If not for Riyad Mahrez, apparently he was uh, a bit too selfish. At one point, he had an opportunity to square it to Foden, which would have been an easy goal to make it 3, but instead went for goal himself and missed. And that really pissed off Pep Guardiola. Even up 2-0 in the game. That's how much of a, you know, a serial winner he is and serial competitor. Uh, so, yeah, that was a frustrating moment for City and one that they could look back on, say, and if they lose the semifinal and say, wow, maybe if we had scored that goal, we would have been out of sight. But, of course, can never say that with Real Madrid, the most historically successful Champions League team of all time. And, again, fair play. They fight right back. But City kept hold of the mass. They restored their uh, two-goal advantage in the second half. Foden heading in a Fernandino cross. Now, Fernandino, by the way, didn't initially start, and yet he comes in at right back out of all positions. They have a bit of a crisis there uh, with Kyle Walker injured. They had to play John Stones at right back, but then he gets injured, so they had to put in Fernandino, and in that moment, Fernandino played pretty well. But then, <laughs> then just two minutes later, Fernandino goes from setting up a goal to getting absolutely embarrassed by his fellow Brazilian, Vinicius Jr. I think he gets nutmegged on the touchline. Uh, Jr. just about keeps in play. He blazes past the old Brazilian, and the young Brazilian races into the box and scores a sensational solo goal to again cut the, the deficit down to one. But, again, City pull away once more. They make it 4-2 to two with a Beautiful strike from Bernardo Silva. 
Um, it looked like there was a foul in the buildup to that uh, from Real Madrid, so it could have been whistled as a city free kick, but referee decided to let play go on. It was fed through to uh, Bernardo Silva and finished it off to make it 4 2. You know, completely caught the Real Madrid offensive guard, mainly because they thought, oh, the referee's going to blow his whistle for a free kick, so they stopped playing. But no, let it go on. City took advantage, makes it 4 2. But then handball in the box by Americ Laporte. Pretty clear and obvious decision. Benzema steps up to take it. Now, this is a guy who missed two penalties in his last game in La Liga. And he has the guts to Panenka Ederson. And it pays off at the Etihad to make it 4-3. to three. I mean, the sheer amount of confidence that takes, especially after missing your last two penalties, to then... Do a, do a move like that is just insane. That's how much confidence Benzema is playing with in this competition. Uh, he's been just godlike, not to almost near Ronaldo levels of uh, of Champions League success in one season. I think he has nine goals in this campaign, or I think nine goals in just the knockout stage. It's just well, let's see. He has three he had three against. Yeah, nine goals in just the knockout set. I believe the record is 10 from Ronaldo. I think it was uh, recently. But uh, I think Benzema is at least going to tie it. And I think he will score in the second leg, and we'll see what happens. Again, this this tie is still up for grabs heading into the Bernabeu. It should have been cities. Honestly, they were the better side. And if they were just more clinical in the first half, I think they even struck the post in the second half as well, then this tie would be out of sight pretty much. But instead, you go to the Bernabeu next week, and it's it's going to be a tough battle where, again, it could go either way. But definitely tune into that game this upcoming Wednesday. As for the other Champions League semifinal, it is Liverpool that have one foot in Paris as they take down Villarreal 2-0. And Villarreal didn't really change much. I mean, they had the same mentality against Juventus and Bayern where, you know, they sat back and tried to pick off Liverpool in the counterattack. But the problem was it didn't work. They did not register a single shot on target in this game. And, uh, yeah, Liverpool did not let them breathe at all. Get all over them. Same like in the Everton game. And same scoreline, 2-0. So they had that experience of playing, you know, this very defensive uh, side. So if anything, that Everton game actually helped Liverpool against Villarreal because they knew what they, was, they were expecting and they knew how to play against this type of setup. So, and they managed to crack the code and it was the same thing as in the Everton game. Scoreless in the first half, but they find a way to break through in the second half. And they do in a bit of an unorthodox style. It looked like Jordan Henderson from a tight angle was trying to cross it into the box. Instead, it was lifted over Geronimo Rulli. He got his hand to it, but couldn't bat it away. Caught off of his line and Henderson just dinks it in to make it 1-0. Uh, and then just two minutes after that, or not even two minutes after that, Salah gets a through ball. I think he nutmegged one of the players. Or it was Mane who nutmegged one of the players. Set up Salah. He finishes it off to make it 2-0. Also in this game, Thiago was absolutely brilliant. He had a master class and nearly scored a golazo. Hit the woodwork a few minutes uh, before halftime. He's been balling out as of late. I Someone compared Mishavi and Iniesta. Let's slow down on that, folks. He's not that good. And he hasn't had that much of a big of an impact on the national team, mind you, unlike uh, Xavi and Iniesta. 
So let's slow down on the comparisons there. He's been playing really well for Liverpool in fairness as of late. And he's helped them get to the uh, champ or at least one foot into the Champions League final. Again, I, I don't see Villarreal coming back in the second leg. If I, I think they'll score one goal and that's it. But I think Liverpool will see themselves out and punch their ticket to Pali. And might actually, they're either going to set up a, uh, a rematch of the 2018 Champions League final and maybe get revenge on uh, Real Madrid, or we get Man City Liverpool round four. And the first three rounds have been really entertaining. So I I'm I'm definitely rooting for a, a City Liverpool final. I mean, just for the pure chaos and the pure rivalry of it all. Uh, so then quickly to close out this episode, just going through the fixtures this weekend. Obviously, the two Champions League games. But in the Premier League, uh, some marquee matchups. Newcastle-Liverpool tomorrow at 7.30. Um, again, it's going to be tough for Liverpool. My Again, this Newcastle side can uh, is going to be tough to break down. They're playing brilliantly as of late. But the one thing the Newcastle have struggled against are the bigger teams like you know City, Chelsea, etc. So I think Liverpool could come away with a win. Villa Norwich isn't uh, necessary, you know, 10 o'clock games. That one's not significant. Southampton Palace, Watford Burnley, again, a six pointer. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Again, I, I think Burnley want it more. It feels like Watford are kind of giving up and are on their way down. So I think Burnley can come away with uh, a win. Wolves Brighton and then Leeds City at 1230. I still think City are going to win that game. Uh, then Sunday, Everton Chelsea at 9 o'clock. Ah, man, uh, again, Everton, I think they can get at least a point from this game. Again, Chelsea don't have much to play for in the Prem at this point, so I think Everton can get at least a point. Spurs, t uh, Leicester at 9 o'clock as well. Uh, I think Spurs will win. Again, Leicester have been great as of late. West Ham, Arsenal, 11-30. I think Arsenal are going to win. Um, uh, they didn't. West Ham haven't played great against them as of late. Monday is Man United against Brentford. Uh, I can see that being a draw. See another draw for United. Again, feels like that Monday atmosphere could come into play. So, that'll do it for this week's episode. A recap of the past two weeks of all the action around the world of soccer. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. And I'll see you next time.